0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Iron Skies podcast. I'm your host, Tony. In this podcast, we talk about STEM, entrepreneurship, with also various guest speakers in those fields. We also discuss ideas that I think are worth sharing. Make sure you check us out on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And without further ado, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Iron Skies podcast. I'm your host, Tony. In today's episode, we have a very special guest. We have Ingrid Green. She has a bachelor's of science in environmental architecture. She also is the CEO and founder of Drones for Girls. Ingrid, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Hey, Tony, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate this. I um, man, I, I almost don't know where to start, <laughs> but... Um,
0: uh, go ahead I, tell us about your... Um, oh, sorry, thanks for being on, but just if you could start with your story, your background, just...
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, oddly enough, even though I was born in New York City, I grew up in Arctic Canada. And so we're talking like minus 60 snow up to the top of the window on the first floor, you know, Aurora Borealis every day and night. It was just wow. it was kind of, you know, special, um, but very multicultural per capita and I spoke, a, I learned to speak a different language in French immersion. Um, and because I was so far north, I had to travel. And we had a lot of family vacations. And I think those two things, speaking different languages and um, and being a part of different cultures. So I have a world record in a Dene game, uh, an Aboriginal sport, um, but also traveling. Speaking different languages and traveling, I, I kind of feel like, that really helps someone get a feel for how the how the rest of the world lives and how we're all the same and yet we're a little bit different. We're not the same. And so um, I studied architecture at Howard University and at the University of Waterloo, and uh, I worked for a general contractor in uh, commercial architecture, uh, built new builds. Uh, about 3 million square feet of space in Calgary, Alberta. Um, But now I live in Detroit. And I think uh, that going to Howard, even though it was hard for me, because going to a historically Black college isn't for everybody who's Black. Like, Mm. we're we're not all the same. And it's, you know, I, I understand that historically Black colleges and universities like Howard University have a place. Um, and they definitely help people. And it's a good experience for a lot of people, but not everyone. Not everyone. And, and that was the case for me. It wasn't a great experience for me, but what I take from that is I love my people. I love people that look like me. Um, I don't think I, well, may, maybe indirectly, I learned to love me because of it. It was a very difficult time. Um, and college is a difficult time for a lot of people (laughs) for a lot of different reasons, but um, it was a tough time for me as a black person. And um, I don't know, my best friend is black. I I love my community. And so I think that is a big takeaway directly or indirectly from attending Howard University and um, and studying uh, architecture helped me on the problem-solving side. I am a supreme problem solver <laughs> and I'd love to be a storyteller as well. And in architecture, when you have to defend your design, your spatial solution to the problem, um, you, you become an orator. You learn to, to you, you bring on that tradition of telling stories um, and using your voice and standing up for what you believe in, I think architecture is something that gave me that as well.
0: That's incredible. So a couple questions on, so you you mentioned you grew up in like the Arctic. What is the, I'm very curious there. What is the lifestyle like there? How do you just live day to day if you want to like drive somewhere how is the roads like the food like how do you like live in that type of climate and just be okay
1: you know it's when you're a kid you don't know any different you just grow up with what you grow up with and um, not that you assume that that everybody has the same upbringing or experience but you don't necessarily know that it's hard um, I knew that it was very different from New York because I left New York City when I was five and I didn't really want to leave. Uh, the hardest part for me was that um, I had friends from every ethnic background, and um, that was probably one of the things that I cherished most about being in New York when I was little. And so that was something about Yellowknife that I got to enjoy. Yellowknife is probably the most, most multicultural place in Canada per capita. Now, it's a small town, but we had um, uh, Ashretha Franklin. Okay, her name isn't Ashretha Franklin. It's Ashretha Naidu, okay, in um, the head Naidu. And um, my brother's best friend is um, Harshen Manikam. And, I mean, they're from Durban, South Africa. <laughs> I mean, uh, I went to prom with a guy named Nick Van Pratt, and he's from Belgium. Um, we had a foreign exchange student in our high school from New Zealand. Um, I spoke French. I mean, it was just getting to, sc- okay. So the, the one day I went to school, we didn't have to go to school because it wasn't a normal day. It was a career day. Uh, I went to talk about architecture. Um, and it was, I don't know, I think it was the coldest day I was ever outside walking, and it was minus 56 without the wind chill. And so I walked from downtown to the high school to talk about architecture, and the parking lot was full of skidoos. That's how people get around, on a skidoo, not necessarily in a car, because your car might not start. Yeah. <laughs> minus 56. So, I mean... Small town, um, very multicultural. Um, and, and I like to say about Canada is that um, fortunately or unfortunately, um, black, Blacks are not at the bottom of the totem pole, Aboriginals are. Indige- indigenous people are at the bottom of the totem pole. And my first business mentor um, was Bill Erasmus, who was the chief of the Dene Nation.
0: And, um, the Dene that that's, that's, is that the name of like the, the tribe, the culture? Yeah. It's one of the
1: tribes, uh, that, that predominates that area. Uh, Inuit, uh, are, is another uh. tribe. Um, there, man, I just, I revere their sense of leadership and how they do community. And I learned so much from them, uh, just a great value. So to hear about the, uh, Mass burial graves for children who went to residential schools in Canada. Um, It just, anyway, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And, you know, you'd go to school in the dark, you'd come home from school in the dark, Uh, December 21st, the winter solstice, the the sun literally would not pierce the horizon. It would be pure darkness, December 21st. And, and adversely, or, conversely sorry um july 21st or june 21st is the summer solstice and the sun would never touch the horizon it wouldn't, wouldn't go down and so you'd go to the bar and, they, and it felt like
2: lunchtime and you'd come home and it was
1: like bright sunlight at 2 a.m it was great i loved it wow. it was it was awesome so my mother was director of dietetics And my father did a very short stint as deputy minister of education. Um, So, you know, kind of a big fish in a small pond situation for me personally. Um, I was athlete of the year. I got to carry the Olympic torch, things of that nature. So uh, growing up for me, was great. (laughs) I love Yellowknife. I love it.
0: That's incredible. So I'm very curious. The Aboriginal tribes. What is their lifestyle like? What What are they like as a people? And and also, I love food. So like, what do they eat? Like, what's their diet? I love ethnic, like, different diverse foods. Sure, sure. Um,
1: You know, there's the um, there's the personal side of it, and then there's the food side of it. So let's let's tackle the food part first. very gamey, <laughs> lots of wildlife stuff. I mean, they eat the stuff that's at the supermarket, but um, also ptarmigan, which is a white bird, um, kind of like a looks like a dove but larger <laughs> fatter. <laughs> um, caribou, um, Arctic char, pike. Uh, those are fish. Um, I, 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 you know, uh, I shouldn't joke about it too much, but uh, the narwhal is a whale that has mm-hmm. a horn.
0: Oh, is it the, the long? Yes. The, the very, it's like, yeah. kind of like HB, a unicorn.
1: I mean, like a whale has no business having a horn. <laughs> like really? Yeah. What are you going to spear in the Arctic ocean? But it's, and the beluga, I mean, they actually eat whale blubber. They, so they, so they, they, they hunt. And this is the thing too. I mean, on the personal side, I, I totally understand the diversity, equity, and inclusion piece that you hear a lot about these days, um, because I, I learned it in in Yellowknife, and I understood you can't send just one to college because they don't see themselves. Aboriginal people are not on television, they're not in the movies, they're not uh, they're not anywhere. You don't see them in in prominent places where you see everybody else. And so when they go to school, they're wondering, what am I doing here? I don't, I don't really wanna live off the land like my parents. I don't really wanna sniff antifreeze and, and it's just, they're caught between two worlds, some of them. They're caught between two worlds. And um, much like my experience at Howard, there are people telling them that they are not enough somehow. They're not enough. And that's hard to see. It's easy to understand, but it's hard to see. And they were killed in droves. And not by me, not by people who look like me. Just saying. Yeah. They have found 6,000 plus children in mass burial graves.
0: What, what is, like, so about that, about the mass burial graves, you mentioned that earlier, like, why, and, like, how come, and is, is there, like, is there, like, a lot of, um, I guess, just hate towards the Aboriginals? Is, is there, like, some, I, I don't want to use the word, but I'll just use it, but is there, like, racism towards them? Or? Sure,
1: sure, absolutely, 100%, and, you know, a lot of things have been done in the name of Christ that were just wrong they were just wrong. No ifs, ands, buts about it. So, uh, predominantly the Catholic church went in there and they created these, these missionary, uh, the schools, these residential schools. So they pulled people, kids, uh, away from their families, told them not to speak their language, told them not to dance the way they dance at powwows and things of that nature. Um, and, disciplined them for speaking their language, um, cut their hair. Um, they have beautiful hair. I don't, anyway, um, I'm gonna try not to be emotional about it. Um, but um, historically the Catholic church tried to tell them this is the way.
2: Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't.
1: Um, So some of the things that we see today um, at the border, um, immigrant children, um, it happened a long time ago. And me personally, I just boil it down to hate. I just boil it down to seeing something that's different. Having a pardon the phrase, but a God complex, thinking that you're better than something that looks different and you must be right and they must be wrong. Total garbage, in my humble opinion. Total garbage. Um, and so they tried to retrain an entire generation and
2: the kids who didn't comply were killed.
0: That's unfortunate. Yeah. 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 Really, really sorry. That's, that's really unfortunate. It's, it's sad to hear that. And yeah.
1: And it happens in every country. The indigenous peoples in every country are, are stomped on are disregarded are made to are killed by the hundreds of thousands. And it doesn't make any sense to me. They have knowledge about Fires and nature and we're killing this planet after we killed off the people who are here first. Why? Yeah.
0: Doesn't make any sense, really.
1: Their architecture is great. It has protected them for centuries. And yet their architecture is not vaunted and revered in schools across the planet. Teepees, igloos. Those are things that I did not study. We talk about passive house, just, we're not smarter than them. We're not smarter than them. And I live on the land, Detroit is on the land of the Anishinaabe. You know, black people, Jewish people, lots of people have suffered. And at the same time, they don't acknowledge the land that they are on. Yeah. They are herded into reserves, reservations. And for what reason? I'm not sure for what reason. We have Chinatowns in every city. They have gates there, they're included. For what reason are they on reserves?
0: Yeah. You mentioned Detroit was on top of, um, what was, what was the the name you mentioned? Uh, Ashnabe.
1: Anishinaabe,
0: Anishinaabe. Yeah. Just, I'm very curious about that. What tell us a, a little bit about that. Cause I actually, I've lived in Detroit metro area all my life and I have no idea.
1: Um, well, I don't know as much as I would like to, I've only been in Detroit for three years. Um, And I have met people from the Anishinaabe tribe. Um, And it's uh, (laughs) not foreign to me. So um, I have not yet been uh, on tribal land. I mean, I'm on ancestral land, but uh, I haven't spent enough time with them to know more about the Anishinaabe. Um, There were several tribes that passed through this area. So uh, whether it was a hunting ground uh, in terms of their migration and their natural patterns of movement, um, th- there are more more tribes than the Anishinaabe, but that is one of the councils that
0: is here. Are, are they like Native American or it, they're Native American? Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate just growing up in the school system, we rarely were educated about like the Native Americans, like, you know, who was here before, uh, you know, all the Europeans came on the Mayflower and it's not really talked about at all. Um, and, and I really wish it was. I really wish it was because there's this whole big continent full of resources and all these people, but yep. it's like, you know, we're t- all the, you know, we're taught from a young generation that, oh. You know, it was just the European settlers, and whoever was here wasn't um, mentioned or really important, and uh, it's really unfortunate. But so, tell us about um, the architecture. You seem to be very passionate about architecture. Tell us uh, what made you decide to go into that field, and just tell us a little about um, your your niche or your skill sets in that field.
1: Sure. I think, uh, the big thing for me when I was in grade 10 or 11, I loved to draw. Um, and I, I taught myself drafting. Um, and I think I was really curious from a young age. Well, I don't know if it's young, but grade 10, grade 11, grade 12, uh, what was I going to be when I grew up? Uh, and I was very curious. My dad and I spent a lot of time learning about colleges. Um, I actually went to a summer camp that was on a college campus. Um, and a lot of my athletic endeavors were also on college campuses, uh, staying in dorms, that nature. So that that was common to me before I graduated high school, took the SAT test. Um, Applied to several Canadian schools, several American schools. And um, for me, drafting at a young age fit with architecture. It, it was one of the things that I was like, hey, drawing, problem solving, college campuses, okay, let's study architecture. It made sense to me. It made sense to me. It definitely made sense to my immigrant parents. <laughs> it was one of those things that checked the box. I I think this is you know they're gonna watch this. <laughs> Actually, mom will probably never watch it. <laughs> that's that's just mom. But um, uh, I think I think it was one of the things. Oh, I know what that is. Okay, that's cool. I like that. Okay, go for that. Okay, I support that. All right, let's do it. <laughs> so um, my parents really got behind it. Although I think if, if I wanted to do something else, um, I think my parents were feeling, as long as I did it to the best of my ability, they would support that too. Um, as long as I knew what I, what I was getting into. Um, so I studied architecture, but what I didn't understand, um, although it's definitely a maker space, and a problem-solving space, which I, and I was very challenged uh, to think, which I love doing. I love thinking and reading and ingesting those kinds of things, Um, uh, other thoughts, uh, theologies, et cetera, et cetera. Psychology, uh, my father has a PhD in, uh, or studied child psychology at Columbia University. So psychology, thinking, those theology, very dear and dear to my heart, um, I didn't understand that in the economic cycles, when somebody doesn't have money, the last thing they're going to do is build something, a house, a school, anything. So it's very cyclical. I, when, when the economy is down, I mean, The other thing, too, is that architects are not trained to be business people. We're creatives. And so as the the economic cycle goes through its ups and downs, and the last thing people want to do is build something, architecture firms shrink and vanish. It's a very difficult occupation, financially speaking, if you're not a five-tool person. Meaning you're not uh, well versed in in the the digital software side of things. If you're not into, I mean, <laughs> estimating, uh, you know, dealing with the tradespeople and being a general contractor, being on site, you know, if your if your head is just in the clouds and you just do the design part, man, <laughs> you better be a prodigy, or you're gonna you might be out on your butt. <laughs> You might only need to learn how to do something else. So as an architect, you best have a side hustle. (laughs) Yeah. But the the thing about it is that you have to study, you have to pass a number of license exams, which doctors don't have to do. Plumbers don't have to do. You know, optometrists don't have, they all have just one, a trades ticket exam or or the MCAT or whatever. We have several. Yeah. And you're liable if a building collapses. The engineer's mm-hmm. liable too. But if, if yeah. something collapses because of an earthquake or hurricane or whatever, it's not code. They could sue your estate. You could be dead and they'll still come after you. Yeah. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. And there are of, of all the uh active licensed architects on in the united states there are 400 and something black women licensed practicing architects it is wow. not for the faint of heart it's not for the faint of heart
0: it's just not. what are some of the challenges uh associated with architecture and i have heard before um, that, yeah, if a building collapses, you are liable. So that's, that seems to be a lot of pressure uh, to bear. But tell us, like, what are some of the challenges uh, as an architect you, you deal with or you would deal with?
1: Um, you know, from a cultural perspective, um, I think some of the challenges are not seeing necessarily your culture reflected in what you're taught. And as a result, what you build and what you design Um, and you may be taught to revere something that's super cool, but it's only for a certain climate. It may be super cool for Arizona, but it's not gonna last in Detroit. Yeah. (laughs) So some of the the challenges are um, culturally based, climate based, uh, building science, Based, you know, how do you put something together? The details of knitting. It's, it's, it's great that it looks cool. Okay, how are we going to make this
2: thing? Yep.
1: <laughs> that is in and of itself. And we have building construction classes and, um, you know, there's co-op. Uh, co-op is basically work, study, work, study, work, which is good because, you, you, pay, you learn to pay for your classes as you are, your education, as you are um, studying. But, and it keeps people on their toes. Your profs only teach you the yeah. things that you need to learn, you need to know to excel in your craft. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the huts of the Dogon tribes are not, are not vaunted. The building science is involved in thatch roofs, not really talked about. Why does it shed water? (laughs) Why does it keep you warm? Why does it like, they're not really, the the traditional means are not really um, elevated and talked about as much as they could be relative to the science of why they worked and how we go forward. It's all about what we can think of now, which is good. I mean, technology changes things. And I think that's why I like drones, because technology is moving. Technology helps us do things well, efficiently. It saves lives. Um, But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, because there are some traditional things that still can work. But we need to know why. And yeah. that shows the value in traditional ways of thinking and tribes and things that maybe are not us.
0: So, so you mentioned um, like the, the challenges, I'm very curious. What are some of the, um, I, I, I would like to hear about the cultural challenges and as well as like the climate challenges, the climate challenges, I feel like um, is it's, it, it's maybe obvious because Arizona's hot, and you know Detroit. We have some brutal winters, but I really want to hear about the um, the the cultural um, challenges.
1: Um.
2: Okay. Um, uh, I, I think
1: I think a lot of the cultural challenges are partly based in the diversity, equity, and inclusion piece in that um, if cultures were more embraced, we would value their intelligence more and what they bring to the table more. And so what they are comfortable with in their own skin and do innately well. Mm. Um, And yet it seems that everything in Europe is great. <laughs> European history is the world <laughs> as we know it and, yeah. you know or, or I hate to say it but be- because I, I feel like it's, it's it paints a broad uh, stroke across a race but everything white is great everything white is vaunted and everything that's not white is not highly regarded. And not everyone does that, but enough people do it that people don't have sense not to touch my hair. (laughs) There has to be a law in California about black people's hair. (laughs) It, It seems ridiculous, but it's happening. It seems ridiculous, but it's happening. So, so cultural architecture that is um, sensitive to other cultures and how they live and how they use space and their solutions for their climate are disregarded, are not investigated and studied as much as um, European architecture.
2: Yeah. So yeah.
0: that's real. So, so some of the some of the climate like difficulties. I, so like one thing just from my observation is I, I yeah. don't like. I love architecture. By the way, I yeah. had an internship at an architecture firm. It, I, I really love it, but I have noticed our infrastructure here in Detroit doesn't last very long. Um, just because the weather, of course, the hot and the cold, the the different temperatures, but very curious about the the climate uh, challenges. Um, uh, it's hard to it's
1: hard to speak about. Uh, oh man. As much as I love architecture, I would rather talk about drones. I've ha- I, have, I have twelve minutes to be somewhere else. Uh, uh, okay.
0: Yep. Yeah. Tell and, us and about drones for girls. Um. And then and then if you if you have time, journey. But yeah, l- I, let's hear about drones for girls.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. For me, it's not as much um a STEM thing as it is um a generational wealth and what is your wheelhouse thing? Let's find a way to buy some time as efficiently as possible in as short of time as possible in an industry that is growing by leaps and bounds, is not going anywhere, Hmm. um, but it's $160 to pass the FAA part 107 um, exam to become a licensed commercial drone pilot Let's add that to our list as what do we want to be when we grow up? Because it might take more than one thing and it, you might need some time. And you can make anywhere from 150 to $300, $500, $1,500 an hour in Detroit mm-hmm. flying a drone, inspecting um, hydro, uh, uh, sorry, utility towers, um, and inspecting in construction. Uh, doing flybys for um, to sell real estate, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and inspect roofs, or <clears throat> get flown to somewhere where they need to find out how m- how much material, how many resources of coal are in this pile. Let's use a drone instead of using human beings with sticks that measure things. You know, like yeah. Let's let's um, d- use drones to send medical supplies to rural areas Mm. that don't have a hospital, whether it's Rwanda or someplace in the middle of Oklahoma. (laughs) Sorry, Oklahoma. I just don't feel bad about it. (laughs) Like, you know. Um, So um, you learn learn to fly a drone. and, And their parents, their teachers may not be telling them. They can be a drone pilot. And the FAA hasn't been uh uh administering this license for a long time countries are still uh making drone laws and having so this is the 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 leading edge of this industry get in get in where you fit in now's the time to go and so you know some people take tests well some people need some time Uh, life happens whatever uh but as an adult it could take anywhere from two weeks to two months to pass this test that costs $160. So from the age of 16, you're eligible to take this test. So let's add it an awareness and add it to buying some time. Nobody told you to volunteer for Sunday school for your whole life. Just, just, just like maybe this is part of the picture. So, yeah. so make the $150 an hour part-time so that you have space to think about what else
2: you're good at.
1: Don't study stuff. Don't spend money going to college for things that you're never gonna use. Go to college or study or get a tradesman ticket or whatever it is. Have enough time to let your brain breathe, to to have a vision, to not do crazy things because you have enough money to pay for rent. You have enough money to cover your your food bill and all of those things, have enough money to breathe, yeah, and then figure out what your wheelhouse is, what are you good at? what is your gift, and then go do have the money to do that to pursue that, maybe you have the drone thing off on the side <laughs> i don't I don't care. we haven't reached a critical mass. we need more pilots <laughs> it's great yeah. so so it's really. Add this to your, to, your, to your thinking. Consider this when you're little, as you're growing, about what are you going to be when you grow up. Mm. Use drone piloting to help you. And on the other end, there's the drone pilot site for adults who are preparing to take the exam, are learning to fly a drone. Um, and the software that's compatible with the different drones, the Wingtra one, the unique Typhoon, the DJI, uh, Mavic Air, um, and, and then it's a, rent it. This is expensive technology. Rent the different drones, learn how to use the different software in a geo fenced off space. So you're not hurting anyone, you're not looking in anyone's backyard, <laughs> you're not, you know, you got a whole block. Uh, and then um, a temp agency, drone pilot site aims to be a temp agency for drone pilots. We'll take care of the paperwork, the insurance yeah. um, and the, the gigs. If you're looking for a gig, uh, two months, three months, we'll do the paperwork for you and, and and we'll know that you're competent and you can do the work that you're being asked to do. And you can go out there and do it. Drone pilot site. So. Drones for girls is the front end of the pipeline. Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up and drone pilot site is the other end of the pipeline. Okay. So you've decided that you want to include this in your career mosaic. Awesome. Let's help you do that.
0: So, so tell us, what are some of the things you would um, teach uh, the students, your students in, in drones for girls?
1: In drones for girls, um, we use uh, very basic mats um, to say, like, "Hey, the hospital is over here on this this little mat that fits in your in your classroom uh, on the floor." So let's take off and let's let's pick up something and let's drop it off over there. And at the same time, they're learning about physics. They're learning about math. Okay, how fast do we need to go up and how high? Okay, the, the, the ceiling of the classroom is only, you know, so many feet. So we don't need to go that high. Okay, so how far forward do we need to go? Okay, we need to go like five feet. It's, it's the same thing when you're doing uh, uh, GIS uh, aerial mapping of an orchard in Napa Valley. It's the same thing. How high do you need to go up? Okay, you need to go forward, take a picture. you need to go forward, take a picture. Okay, we need to turn 90 degrees, go forward and it's the same thing. And so we're teaching them with a mat on the floor in their classroom or in their library or in their gym, but it doesn't have to be a gym. It could just be their classroom. And so the teacher is learning. the students are learning about um, the words that go with drones. so the English, the vocabulary, the math that goes with um, uh, a mission uh, to get something somewhere and what drones can do. Uh, they can, do the research capabilities, the reforestation capabilities, and, and, and they learn that, hey, drones are a thing. Yeah. Drones are a thing. These things are cool. Hey, I play video games at home. We can fly these drones with a cell mom's cell phone and it looks like a video game thing. This is cool. Hey, I want to try this. Girls do this? Drones for girls? Really? Hey, I can do this. That's what we
0: do. That's incredible. It, 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 I, I love it. So It's fun. Um, it's fun. Yeah, drones definitely are fun. It it is a good time. So I I know you have to leave pretty soon. So I have one final question for you, Ingrid. So if you could talk to your younger self, what would you tell your younger self?
2: Pivot.
1: There's no such thing as a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's going to come around again. Don't be afraid to try something else. Pivot, 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 pivot. Try something else. It's okay to try something else. Um, what you think, what you're holding on to so tightly, it's going to come around again. And you'll be better off for it, if, for, for seeing it again, if you try something else. Pivot. It's just like sports. I I throw that in. (laughs) Like when I was in in high school, I I played like every sport. I was on every team (laughs) that existed. I played badminton. I ran track. (laughs) I played soccer. I did everything. Just try everything. Taste everything.
0: Taste everything.
1: Every five minutes, pivot. It's okay. It's gonna come around again. You'll learn something from what you try the next time. Just keep pivoting. You'll find it. You'll find it.
0: That's really real. That, that's definitely awesome. I th- Thank you for that. Yeah, it definitely seems, uh, yeah, just doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, uh, in business, especially, um, you, I've definitely heard from a lot of um, successful entrepreneurs that piv- you always have to pivot or jump and change. And that's really the only way, you, can, you know, keep going. And that's really real. Thank you for that, Ingrid. You're welcome. So are there any last remarks um, before we end the podcast? And again, thank you so much for being on. But is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners? Any last remarks?
1: Huge shout out to Rich Grundy for being my boss at Journey. (laughs) I love Rich. Um, I only have a minute before I I go, but um, Rich took a chance. And that's the boss you want the boss that believes in your ability to um, try something and believes in you enough to listen to you. You want that boss that listens to you. You don't want the boss that doesn't listen to you. <laughs> you want the, the boss that believes in you personally, because when life happen, happens, that boss is going to go to bat for you. Huge shout out to Rich Grundy at Journey. Um, and teaching kids about tech and being their own boss and being a boss and being on a team. Um, Huge shout out. Love you, Rich. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much, Ingrid. Thanks for being on the show and uh, really appreciate you uh, speaking with us today. And uh, if anyone's listening, hope you uh, enjoyed this podcast and and took a a lot of um, great takeaways from Ingrid. that's all i had for you today hope you enjoyed the podcast please uh like share download whoever you think will benefit from this i appreciate everyone who's listening also too i work really hard to keep this podcast ad free i don't want to put ads uh i don't like ads especially when i hear them in podcasts so if if you want to support this podcast there is a patreon link in the description I'd really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, everyone who's listening. Everyone stay safe, happy, healthy, and wise, and uh, we'll see you next time.